Hello and welcome to Finding Truth Matters with Dr. Andrew Corbett. God has ways of achieving good that make no sense in the process to us. If you're looking for a name for your son, Habakkuk is not likely to be high on your list. He was an Old Testament prophet and a contemporary of Jeremiah. In the chapters he wrote in the Old Testament, we find that Habakkuk was dismayed that the moral climate of Judah had drastically deteriorated. When the culture of the day rejected and ignored God's word, the result was violence, strife and contention, along with injustice and persecution of the righteous. How did Habakkuk respond? He did what every true prophet would do. He prayed and sought God. There are red flags for us here. Join Dr. Corbett in the opening chapter of Habakkuk. Oh Lord, how long shall I cry for We help? are making our way through the book of Jeremiah. And a part of that is looking at, and let's, let's turn to it now, the book of Habakkuk. And Habakkuk is what's uh, referred to as a minor prophet. And as a minor prophet, uh, he's regarded as one of the preeminent minor prophets. And minor doesn't, it's not just because um, they're insignificant, they're not. In fact, Habakkuk, as we'll see, this, this book was responsible for the Apostle Paul's revelation of what it means to be saved by grace. It was when Martin Luther read Paul's quoting of Habakkuk in Romans that the Reformation happened. And there, uh, I, I said to the, the worship team before we came out in our, in our prayer meeting, I said uh, Habakkuk has actually inspired quite a few songs. In fact, the whole of Habakkuk is a song. And the last part of it is a hymn. And this is uh, described as some commentators as one of the, the most preeminent examples of Hebrew poetry and Hebrew hymnology of any book of the Bible. So when you're, when you're flicking through the Bible and you see Habakkuk and it only takes, what, one, two pages and you're done, uh, just pause for a moment, as I think we should with all scripture, and just consider what's here. I want you to become a little bit familiar with Habakkuk. I, I, I'm, I'm hoping that when we all make it to heaven and Habakkuk comes up to any one of us and says so what did you think of my book your answer will have content and I'm hoping I can advance that cause this morning and over the next two weeks so we're taking the next three weeks to look at to look at this book Habakkuk I'm going to call him if Jeremiah is the weeping prophet Habakkuk is the bewildered prophet and you'll see why in a moment. And this is, as we, we're going to take, the, the parts are going to be easy to follow because we're, we're going to take each chapter as, as a part. So this is part one. And you'll see this, this cry that comes from his heart. Oh Lord, how long shall I cry for help and you will not hear? And we'll see why he's crying that in a moment. It's in chapter one. And hopefully we'll, we'll make sense of this. But more than that, I'm, I'm hoping that you'll be able to look at Habakkuk and make sense of it in the context of everything else in the Old Testament. If you're not familiar with the Bible, and that may be quite a few here, and that's okay, welcome. And I'm, I'm hoping that if you're here and you've never become a Christian, you've never done anything to say, this is where I want my life to be, then you're really, really welcome. 
And I don't want to put any pressure on you to today make a, a commitment to Christ if you know, don't know anything about God. If you don't know anything about the Bible, then all I want you to do is come back next week as well. And then come back the week after and see if you learn something about God. Because the Bible reveals something different to every other religious book. There's religious books that give ways people can be religious. We think of the Bhagavad Gita, which is a, a, book of the, a sacred book of the Hindus. They have the Vedas and the Bhagavad Gita. These are books which actually tell worshippers this is how deity is to be worshipped. Don't tell you much about God. Then we have the Quran. Not many people have read the Quran. Not many Muslims have read the Quran. It's a book that doesn't actually tell you much about God. There's some other interesting things about the Quran. It speaks more about Jesus on a ratio of about 10 to 1 than it does about Muhammad. Interesting. And there are other books like the Book of Mormon, held dear by Mormons, that doesn't really tell you much about God. And we have the Bible consisting of 66 books. It's divided into the old part of it and the new part of it. The old part is called the Old Covenant and the record of that covenant is called a testament. And that's where we're going to be this morning, in the old part, before Jesus came. So the, the background to this particular book is that Habakkuk was someone who we, we don't know anything about. We, we have commentators, these are people who write about the books of the Bible, who have guessed. They've just taken a stab. They've... they've said, well, maybe he was a priest. And there's reasons why some commentators think he was a priest. There was one tribe of the 12 tribes of Israel from which priests could only come from that tribe. And some think that he must have been one of these priests, same as Jeremiah. We know Jeremiah, the prophet, was from the tribe of Levi. And, and, and people suspect that Habakkuk was as well. And that could be right, especially when we look at the opening Verses. This would be something you would expect a priest to be concerned about. But others have said, no, he was probably from uh, a different tribe and he is someone that God called as a prophet. We're not sure. And because the, the book itself doesn't tell us, we can be pretty much assured it doesn't actually matter that much. So what do we know about Habakkuk? He prophesied during the reign of King Jehoiakim who was the uh, nephew of uh, one of the great kings of Judah, King Josiah. And Jehoiakim, we know from Jeremiah, was someone who did not love God. He didn't love God. He didn't encourage anyone else to love God. In fact, he did the opposite. So this is a part of the historical background to where Habakkuk is. He was around the same time as Jeremiah. This prophecy takes place really uh, before Jeremiah had uh, got, and, uh, got into his straps and hit his stride. So this kind of is just near, right near the start of when Jeremiah was prophesying. This book, Habakkuk, was written before Babylon invaded Jerusalem. So if you've been tracking with us through Jeremiah, you know that Judah, the southern part of Israel, had forsaken God they had done everything God had said not to do Karen read before about 
what Nahum the prophet had said about Nineveh. And for most of us, we think Nineveh, we might think of Jonah going to Nineveh. And the interesting thing about Jonah going to Nineveh is that he said, unless you repent in 40 days, God will destroy this city. And the interesting thing is that when Jonah went to Nineveh and said that, they had not long before suffered an eclipse and an earthquake that happened at that time. So they were already on edge. And Jonah comes along and says, now, if you don't repent, you'll all be wiped out. And within 40 days, they did. And interestingly, that, that prophecy on Nineveh wasn't abolished in God's mind. It was suspended. And Nahum came and announced its fulfillment. Anyway, Habakkuk. Habakkuk is, is at a time when global power is shifting. I mentioned Nahum talking about the destruction of Nineveh. Because at the time, Nineveh was the capital of the world. Nineveh was the capital of where the Assyrians lived. The Assyrians were the world power. Nahum came along and said, God's going to destroy you. And, and they, were. they were. They were defeated and destroyed. And now there was a bit of a void. Uh, a king arose from Babylon, um, who was the father of Nebuchadnezzar, and he handed the kingdom over to his son, Nebuchadnezzar, who was a brutal man, absolutely brutal. And what the Babylonians did made the Assyrians look like amateurs. So this is interesting information that you need to know in, in order to read and appreciate this, the, these three chapters of the book of Habakkuk. Before we read this, we're going to discover that Habakkuk was really, really sad. So sad, he was dismayed. He was dismayed because the people that he was a part of, who were called to show the world who God was, were misrepresenting God, and he sensed the heartache of God. And this is one of the things I want to convey to you. The Bible reveals to us who God is, what he is like, and how we can come to know him. This makes the Bible unique. If I was to ask you today, would you like to know God? Would you like to know God so that you intuitively, increasingly sense his voice, his heart? You go to sleep at night and the, the dreams that you have are put there by God. You begin to see people and you begin to see them differently because God is opening that other set of eyes you have, the eyes in your mind. Would you want that? Would you want that kind of relationship with God? Because if you do, we're going to get to know this God as we look at this book of Habakkuk. It's going to tell us something about God. So let's pray. And I want to invite God to reveal himself through his word to each one of us. No matter where you're at, no matter what you've done, it doesn't matter. You can leave this place knowing a little bit more about God. And you can know how to come to know him. So let's pray. Father, I thank you that we are here today. There is not one person in this church building now here by accident not even by their own choice, but you have been with them, watching them, guarding them,
to bring them to this point, even down through the years. And today, you have them where you want them. And Father, there are some whose minds are so busy, so distracted, that it's going to take a miracle for them to come to know you. But that's what you do, God. And I ask you that you would help me to be a part of that miracle process today in people's lives. That we as a people, we as a church, would be a group of people that that really come to know you and make you known. And I pray that as we look at your word, we'd hear your voice. In Jesus' name, and if you agree, say amen. All right. We are in Habakkuk chapter 1 and verse 1. You'll see it on the screen. You may need a pen or a highlighter as we go through. And you can have a, uh, mark your own Bible as we, as we look at some of these things. All right. The oracle that Habakkuk, the prophet, saw. So the, the expression, the oracle, is uh, an expression meaning that this is what God is saying or this is what God has revealed. And interestingly, this is what Habakkuk saw. This is what he saw. Oh Lord, this is his response. How long shall I cry for help and you will not hear or cry to you violence and you will not save? Verse 3. Why do you make me see iniquity? I said before, if you want to know God, be prepared for him to go and mess with your dreams. And I don't mean I dream one day I'll have a nice car or a nice house. I mean when you put your head on the pillow tonight. I mean when you begin to pray a prayer like this, God, I want to know you. He will mess with you in your sleep in a good way. Some of you need messing with. Habakkuk is crying out to God, how long will it take before I really get to meet with you? And his eyes are opened. He begins to see things that deeply upset him. Why do you make me see iniquity? And why do you idly look at wrong? Destruction and violence are before me. Strife and contention arise. Note those words, destruction, violence, strife, contention. So the law is paralysed. This is why some suspect that he may have been a priest because he's really concerned that the people were not obeying the law and priests were responsible for teaching the law and upholding the law and making the law known and when the law is made known when that vision of the law is made known it restrains wickedness and evil and the things that go along with it like violence so the law is paralyzed and justice never goes forth for the wicked surround the righteous so justice goes forth perverted When people lose a grand vision of God, they become unjust, but they pervert it so that they actually call what is unjust, just and right. That's a perversion. And this is what Habakkuk's seen. So when any culture rejects God's word, the result is, this is why I said, note those words, violence, strife and contention. That's what happens. And that's a horrible place to live. That's a horrible society. Who wants to live in a city filled with violence and strife and contention? Because people have lost a vision of who God is. I heard someone say something about how, how rough it would be to, to live in Afghanistan at the moment. 
And it would be. And there's some pretty rough places on the planet, isn't there? We think of Darfur, we think of Aleppo, we think of these places that used to have roads and cars and shops and businesses and apartment buildings that are now rubble and people eking out a living just trying to stay away from the bombs being dropped. That's bad. But do you know, those aren't the cities where most people are dying. You'd be stunned to realise that some of the cities on this planet where people die from, from guns, for example, is not Syria or Afghanistan. There's places in America where more people die each week than in Afghanistan from gun violence. But this is what happens when any people turn away from a vision of God. And this is what Habakkuk is saying. But this is not the only thing that happens. When people lose a grand vision of God, we have violence, we have strife, we have contention, but we also have injustice and the persecution of the righteous. It says the wicked surround the righteous. It's a picture of the righteous are being persecuted for no good reason. This is what happens when people no longer behold God. Well, this is what Habakkuk saw when he cried out to God. God, I want to know you. God, I want to see you. And God opened his eyes and he saw his own city, city of Jerusalem, as a city filled with violence and filled with these things. And it deeply upset him and it caused him to wonder, well, God, what are you going to do about this? These are your children, your people who are misrepresenting you. God. So what does Habakkuk do? What does he do? He does what any good prophet would do, what any true prophet would do. When confronted with something that is so overwhelmingly wicked and evil, what does any true prophet do? You might think they'll stand up on a soapbox and they will declare the word of the Lord. Only if God moves them to do so. In this instance, he did what every true prophet would do. He prayed and he sought God. You see, Every prophet was, here's another word, it's a powerful word. Every prophet was an intercessor. You may never have prayed in your life. I'm not sure if that's true of everyone here. It probably isn't. But, but if, you've, if you've never prayed, praying is so simple. It's just talking to God. And Habakkuk prayed, God, 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 these people... They're doing horrible things. And they were. They were doing horrible things. Jehoiakim was someone who inspired people to worship Molech and, 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 and Astarte and these, the moon god and the sun god and, and to offer their newborn children in the furnace just outside the, the uh, east wall of Jerusalem down in a valley and, and to offer them up in a furnace. And Habakkuk's going, God, you can't let this go on. This is not right. Do something. God, God. He's praying for what we might call revival. Take that which is, that which is no longer alive and dead and, and bring them back, oh God. That was real. I can imagine that was his prayer. God, these people are doing wickedness. These people are really upsetting you. Turn their hearts back towards you, oh God. And God speaks. God speaks. And this is what Habakkuk hears. Look among the nations and see. Wonder. 
and be astounded. For I am doing a work in your days and you would not believe if told. You are not going to believe, Habakkuk, what I'm about to tell you. Because I'm going to tell you what I'm about to do in response to the prayer that you just prayed. But you're going to struggle with it. And this is one of the first, I think, insights I want want you to see here about God. He doesn't think like us. Thank God that you're not God. Seriously. God has ways of achieving good that make no sense in the process to us. So this is what we see about God. Very straight up. He's not like us. He's not like us. He doesn't do it our way. He does it his way. And when we come through that process and we see his way, we step back and we go, that was much better than what I had in mind. And so God is the smartest person in in the universe. This is what we see about God. There, There is a fancy word that theologians use for that. And that word is omniscient. That means he knows. Niscient is knowledge. Omniscient. Omni is all. He has all knowledge. He knows everything. And this is, I I heard someone's, uh, it was actually a girl, I heard a girl say about a boy. I increasingly fell in love with him, she said, because I got to know him. And as I got to know him, he was worth knowing and worth loving. And I thought, I heard the girl say this, I heard it on radio and I heard her say this and I thought, that's like God, isn't it? The more you get to know him, the more you'll want to just trust him. And this is where I hope we can end up, that you see this. So this is what God says to Habakkuk. For behold, I'm raising up the Chaldeans. And this is another word for the Babylonians. Babylon was the city. Chaldea was the country. Same as like Italy is the country and Rome is the city, but it was known as the Roman Empire. So just so we we understand why they're referred to as the Chaldeans. That bitter and hasty nation who march through the breadth of the earth to seize dwellings, not their own. Now I can imagine Habakkuk is hearing God say this and what God told him would happen, I'm sensing Habakkuk is gripped by the very thing that God said when he said, You're not going to believe what I'm about to tell you, Habakkuk. I'm going to raise up the Chaldeans. These Chaldeans are the fiercest people on the planet. They have no respect for anybody or anything, and I'm going to use them. Watch what I'm about to do. This is how God describes the people he's about to use to answer Habakkuk's prayer about the people of Israel, the people of Judah being so wicked. This is what God's about to do. They are dreaded and fearsome. Their justice and dignity go forth from themselves. Their horses are swifter than leopards, more fierce than the evening wolves. Their horsemen press proudly on. Their horsemen come from afar. They fly like an eagle, swift to devour. This is not how you did polite warfare. This is like a terrorist raid. And this is how God is describing the Chaldeans. They all come for violence all their faces forward they gather captives like sand at kings they scoff and at rulers they laugh they laugh at every fortress they pile up earth and take it oh my goodness me 
Then they sweep by like the wind and go on. Guilty men whose own might is their God. Wow. And this is God's answer to Habakkuk. This is what I'm going to do about the wickedness of my own people. I'm going to bring these people in. Now, this is why I call Habakkuk the bewildered prophet. This was God's answer. We heard Karen rightly say before, God was dealing with the sin of Nineveh because Nineveh was, were doing so many atrocities and they were atrocious in their wickedness. They were abusing people, hurting people, hurting children, hurting women. They were doing so much wrong. And God, as Karen said, is a holy God, a God who doesn't allow injustice and abuse and hurt. He, wants to, he deals with it. Hmm. And yet God now says, I'm going to use a people who are far worse than those as my instruments of justice. Can you see why Habakkuk would be bewildered? So what would you do if God told you something you didn't want to hear? What would you do if you, if you heard God say something which you obviously thought God must lack information? God must not quite have realised what's happened down on earth while he's been busy in heaven. So what does Habakkuk do? He, note this word, reverentially complains to God. What does that sound like? And this is the next thing that reveals to us something about who God is. I can imagine he is in a pose of worship. He reverentially complains to God because his complaint starts with worship. Oh God, you are the everlasting one. He goes on. He goes on like this. Are you not from everlasting? Oh Lord, notice that capitals L-O-R-D. This is, this is the way the Hebrews conveyed that, that God is not just one of the gods, he is the God, the preeminent one. There's no one higher than him. In that word Lord, capitals L-O-R-D, is the sense that he rules everything. This is worship. Oh Lord, my God, my Holy One, we shall not die. Other translations render that you will never die. Oh Lord, you have ordained them as a judgment and you, O rock, have established them for reproof. Here's the thing we learn about God just in, in this response from Habakkuk. Habakkuk knew that God was just. He never did un anything that was unfair. He always did what was right and just. You are of purer eyes than to see evil and cannot look at wrong. This is where we... We have the word holy. This is what it means. Why do you idly look at traitors and remain silent when the wicked swallows up the man more righteous than he? So Habakkuk understands God is holy. God is pure. God never tolerates what is wrong. You make mankind like the fish of the sea. You make mankind. So God is presented here in this statement. God is the creator. And Habakkuk knew it. You're the creator. He's acknowledging God as creator. Like crawling things that have no ruler. He brings all of them up with a hook. He drags them out with his net. He gathers them in his dragnet so he rejoices and is glad. So Habakkuk says, you're the creator. You can do whatever you want. We're the created. You can do with me, with them, whatever you want. But you hear there's an undertone in his complaint here. But God... <laughs> We'll come to that in a moment. 
Therefore he sacrifices to his net and makes offerings to his dragnet for by them he lives in luxury and his food is rich. God, you can do whatever you want. You're the creator. You're you're the just creator. Is he then to keep on emptying his net and mercilessly killing nations forever? Are you going to back the Chaldeans, God? Are you, you supporting these people? God, you can hear his question. And this is what I I garner from this complaint from Habakkuk. He really knew God. He knew God. And this is what made his confusion, his bewilderment, all the more puzzling. Because God was good. God was just. God was holy. God's the creator who only ever does what is right. And yet he's going to use a people who are everything he doesn't like. Man, you can see why he's confused. So Habakkuk knew God as Lord. He knew God as a just God, as a just judge. That's all we have time for tonight, but you can order the full-length version of this presentation on CD audio or premium download by going to findingtruthmatters.org and selecting Habakkuk Part 1 from our online store. As we've heard tonight, when any culture rejects and ignores God's word, the result is violence, strife and contention, along with injustice and persecution of the righteous. But God is still the Lord, the just judge and our creator. He's also our father and our rescuer. More from Dr. Corbett next week. Dr. Corbett is pastor of Lagana Christian Church and president of ICI Theological College Australia. We look forward to joining you again at the same time next week for another Finding Truth Matters.